0: You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village, or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Hey all my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors of The Village Church, and I'm the one that gets to... Lead us in the word more often than not. So thanks so much for spending your Easter morning, afternoon, evening with us and the village church. Twelve years ago, I stood in a small room. It was probably eight feet by eight feet. It was cold, sterile, well lit by fluorescent lights. And it was just outside of an operating room where my wife was being prepped to deliver by way of C-section our first child. It was a long road to that point and there was, along the way, lots of waiting. But in that moment, in that waiting room, there were intense, anxious, hopeful longings for what might be. And, and all of those feelings, they filled the air and they filled, filled my heart and they filled my tear ducts. And in just a few moments, On the other side of the doors I was about to walk through, all the hopes and all the dreams and all the the fear and uncertainty, it awaited. Ten minutes in that room, just waiting. It felt like 10 hours. And within the hour and through no physical pain of my own, we had a son and he was healthy and, and he was long awaited, alive and well. We've all waited in lines. We've waited for dreams. We've waited for downloads. We, we wait for big days. Waiting is at times the worst. Uh, in the, the current season of life that we're in right now, we're, we're waiting for, for toilet paper to come to the stores during the COVID crisis and all that. Or, or maybe we're waiting for, for God to rescue His people from slavery like we'll see today but what makes waiting insufferable is not knowing if our hopes will be realized at all and and for God's people we join a long line of family who have waited with bated breath as they say so much of the story of God's people is is waiting on God waiting on the promises of God waiting on God to be uh, to, to rescue, waiting on God to be faithful to deliver, waiting on God to be faithful to to be God, so that we might be His. And today, we come together, scattered as we are, to celebrate Easter. And and most of us probably know that Easter is all about God demonstrating definitive defeat of our enemy, death, and and what. Whatever you don't know, you probably know that Easter has something to do with an empty tomb and, and something that happened on a cross a couple of days before that. And to some of you, uh, most of you probably, who have been tracking with us, you're part of the village, you've been tracking with us through Exodus, and, and you've been tuning in week after week and, and walking along in the storyline of Exodus Uh, For you, we will continue to do that today and we'll add in Easter and and we will let Exodus take us to that empty tomb. But for the others of you, uh, the other side of you, maybe you're our guest today and and you've not tracked with us. And one, I just want to welcome you. Say thanks so much for hanging out with us, for tuning in. And secondly, um, I, I want you... Uh, I want to take you to a place that allows you to understand what's going on. And, and we will uh, first look at a, a focal passage that comes from Exodus, and it may not feel much like Easter as you've heard in the past, but hang on, we will do our best to faithfully deal with God's Word as it, as it faithfully deals with our hearts, and, uh, and, and we will see where it takes us today. To begin, what we're going to do is we're going to drop in on God's people waiting for God to deliver them from slavery, from captivity, with this truth in mind. It may feel like forever, but God is faithful to rescue and deliver his people. So we're hanging out in Exodus chapter 12, verse 33 through 51 is the emphasis for today. And where we left off, it was after strike after strike and plague after plague, of, of God opposing Pharaoh, who's leading Egypt, we, we finally see the 10th the and final strike against Egypt. It was, it was God, the, the angel of death, visited every household in Egypt, killing the firstborn uh, of all the Egyptian households. And, and those who trusted God, they had covered their door with blood from a lamb that was prepared just as God had delivered and just as God had told them to do. And, and those who trusted God and they put the blood on the doorpost that night, they were spared. Um, and then we pick up here in, uh, in Exodus 12, I'm starting in verse 30, and Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night, and he said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. All right. So up to this point, this is what Moses has been asking Pharaoh for. Moses and Aaron have been saying God wants his people to go worship him on the mountain, and and Pharaoh's stubborn heart would not have allowed it up to this point. And finally he says, Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And then he says this thing that's just so haughty and, and arrogant. And he says, and bless me also, as if, as if, right? Uh, a curious response to this point. Pharaoh was, was a firm no all the way up to this point, no matter what God threw his way. And then Pharaoh, he, he does his, his best uh, Marvin K. Mooney uh, impersonation. If you've ever read that Dr. Seuss book, uh, the, the narrator's trying to get Marvin K. K. Mooney to, to leave his room, and, and finally he says, um, he says, Marvin K. Mooney, I don't care how. Marvin K. Mooney, will you please go now? I said go, and go I meant. Right? That's what Pharaoh does. Finally, all the waiting, finally realized. Were they really free? Could it could it possibly be uh, so much so that if you're reading along in an ESV Bible this morning, the heading in this little section, it probably says the Exodus. And what that means is it, it's finally happened. The Egyptians at this point, they, they say, get out, they say, take your stuff. Uh, there were 600,000 men is what the Bible tells us. And, and that's not including women and children. And so most historians speculate that this was uh, a- around 2 million Humans that were the Hebrews that were God's people that were being delivered from Egypt. It also says in this passage that there was a mixed multitude, which is a really interesting idea. That that what that is is indicating that there were people among them that were not uh, they were not native Hebrews. That that they were probably Egyptians that saw the writing on the wall and they said, you know what? I'm tired of, of living under this, this tyrant, false God, Pharaoh. I want to worship the one true God. And so there were those who were, were not Jewish by birth that were uh, a part of that Exodus, Calvary, and, and, and caravan. They, it says that they baked unleavened cakes. And what that meant was that they had not had time. It says because they prepared so hastily, they had not time to prepare the bread properly and let it... T- rise, and, and they didn't have time to prepare food at all, lest you don't know or you've forgotten how we got here. This is what kind of sums it up in verse 40. It says, the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts, which is uh, in the Old Testament's kind of kind of warrior language, all the hosts of the Lord Went out from the land of Egypt, it was a night of watching by the Lord. Whenever I, I see watching, I think of the, the greatest gif or, or gif of all time, Michael Jackson, and he's eating the popcorn, right? It's like this excitement within God. It says, it was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. God himself, who was doing all the work, he was watching as, as history unfolded. As the exodus, all that he had promised, finally became a reality. I think of parents, uh, not the kids, but parents on on Christmas Eve, when they, uh, at least for us, when we set out the gifts and and we just wait for the kids to come. And and it's so exciting for us to get to see the kids' delight in something good for them. And then it, it goes on, it says, "...so this same night as a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout the generations." So it wasn't just the Lord that was watching, but it was all of Israel and all the generations of Israel watching, long awaited. Grab your popcorn, it's it's really happening. Hope has come. And I'll tell you what else has come in this sermon, point number one, and here's what it is. Hopeful longing redeems wishful waiting. Here's the truth. Much of life is spent waiting wishfully, uh, not fueled by hope of any type, but but by a glimmer of chance. And what I am not telling you is is that if you put your trust in God, then all of your wildest dreams will come true, right? We're, we aren't promised tomorrow, that's what Jesus tells us, and we aren't promised that we get everything that we want. In fact, if you know anything about anything, you would know if everyone got what they wanted, that would be a terrible terrible idea. So, so God knows best and we trust Him in that. But I can promise that we get what God promises. And, and further, I can promise that all the promises of God, they find their yes in Jesus. And what a sweet promise that is from, from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 24, all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that that we utter our Amen to God for His glory. So for Egypt, we see a sliver case study of of bigger promises from God to His people. We see that He promised freedom. And if we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, which is the one before this that, that spans hundreds and hundreds of years, In Genesis 15, verse 13, we read this. Then the Lord said to Abram, he was the first one that he called to be his, that that would build a nation, that would build this nation, Israel, it says, then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. What we see in these words are that reality 400 plus years in the making. They had this promise in front of them, but, but they forgot along the way, and some came and they went with, without seeing it realized, but the promise stood. I remember being a college student, and I remember sitting down with, with my wife, with Kim, and I remember looking at, uh, you know, what seemed like we had been in college for for a hundred years, and I rem- remember looking at, uh, at a printout of the courses that we still had yet to take, and I just remember thinking like, like together, there is no way. Life is really hard. We're married, working, school, all the things. There's just no way that this is, this is ever going to happen. It seemed like forever to that point, and it seemed like forever left to go. Will this ever happen? But, but when we remembered that it, that it was a sure thing, so long as, as we did the work and, and we registered for the courses and we did the work that we needed to, um, when we remembered that, it almost allowed us that, that even in those super difficult times, It allowed us to almost float through those hard times knowing that there were better times ahead for us. But the hope of Exodus, it it wasn't the end of hopeful longing. God's people have been rescued and delivered from their captures, but they still war with the sin inside their hearts Uh, The covenant of God was was delivered through the law of Moses. So so we'll unfold this over the next couple weeks and months. But but as Israel comes out of Egypt, they still have problems. They still forsake God. They they still go their own way. And and so God gives them through Moses a law. Uh, Because the people didn't know what was good, God showed them through his law how to love him how to love one another, how to be a covenant family, a covenant community. And because they didn't know what what they, the real enemy was, which was was the sin inside of them, he showed them through the law that it that it was themselves so long as they were slaves to that sin. Which leads them and and leads all who sin to the guillotine. Of death, and what the Bible teaches is that it's not not just Israel in the desert, but it's but all have sinned and, and fallen short of God's glory, and, and and so the law tells us that. But God has has promised freedom from that as well. He has promised freedom from the sin that that binds us. He said a king would come who would rule and reign with wisdom. He would he would rule and reign over over our hearts. He would he would wield peace and he would judge and he would redeem and he would renew all things so God's people for all time would wait those who didn't trust God waited wishfully that that something or someone would come and rescue would would come and deliver them from death's grip from the wrath of God from sin's power but those who did trust God They waited with a hopeful longing that God would rescue, that God would deliver. And and the difference of wishful waiting and hopeful longing makes all the difference in the waiting room of life. Wishful waiting, it has no guarantee. It has no assurance, no joy from what has not yet been seen But hopeful longing has a sure guarantee in all the joy that we can handle uh, for the already done, yet not yet seen. Most of us, uh, uh, most Americans anyway, we are terrible at waiting. But waiting is an opportunity to, to find and demonstrate faith in who God says that He is. Not just in what He already delivers us, how we wait is an incredible indicator of who we trust to rule and reign in this life and in the next. Hopeful longing, it redeems wishful waiting. And that is not the same thing, um, and, and the difference is, is a matter of trust. The second thing that we see is that faithful deliverance dashes unmet hope. Faithful deliverance dashes unmet hope. Before I was a pastor, and, and actually while I was a pastor, I was a high school science teacher for, for several years, and and I, I had a lot of kids tell me, but one kid in particular, in particular he would always tell me when I would say, "Hey, uh, bro, like, we need to get these assignments done," and and he would always tell me, "Hey, oh yeah, Mr. Graham, I'm about to uh, I'm about to do those assignments you, you you're trying to get me to do," and I would say, "Well, that's great, man, because you really need to get them done," and he would say, "Oh, it's cool, man." The next day, "Hey, how are those assignments coming?" "Hey, man, it's cool, Mr. Graham. Man, I'm I'm just about to I'm just about to do those assignments," and, and I would say, "Well, well, that's cool, man," but but at some point. You have to do those assignments, you know. Um, I tried. I did my part. I, I pursued and 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 you know met every intervention that was in my hands. Uh, and all I was ever met with was, "Hey, Mister Graham, I'm about to." That dude, he never graduated. I, I think some years later, I saw him on the news, having committed some crime, and and he's probably uh, doing 20 years, right? Um, our God, He is. He's not in. I'm about to God. That that's not how God operates. It may feel like forever, but God is faithful to rescue and deliver His people, just as He says He will do. He's always on time. He always knows best. So as we keep looking along in, in Exodus, uh, chapter twelve. Verses forty-three through forty-eight, they're kind of this this section that that you could just skim right through. It's it's almost transitional, but there's a lot in it. He says in that um, he says, "Remember my work today and forever." And he points to to the Passover again, and he says, uh, and, "And my people, they're not simply those who are born into Israel. Remember that that idea of the um, the mixed multitude. He goes back to that." He says, my people—they're not only those who are born into Israel or the ones who, you know, who grew up in the church, so to speak—but they are all who, who trust me. And, and he goes on, and, and he—he kind of helps us in the Old Testament. That meant that to be in covenant with God meant that the males would be circumcised. So, so he demands for those outsiders to be circumcised, just like the Hebrews. In the New Testament, that would be uh, somewhat similar to. And there's a, a whole lot of theological. Uh, dicing in this, but but in a general sense, that would be similar to to those who are being baptized by faith. Uh, as we have faith and we join God's family, we are baptized as, as an outward symbol to, to let people know that we're part of God's covenant family. Um, in the Old Testament, the established memorial to remember God was Passover, the Passover feast, to remember what he had done to bring his people out of slavery and captivity. And in the New Testament, that that memorial, it kind of merges at the Last Supper where Jesus celebrates Passover and he commissions communion, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, where he says, each time you do this, eat of my body and drink of my blood, do this in remembrance of me. And then we see in verse 49, there shall be one law, for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among us. So he's saying that that those that are outside and, and those that have been my people, you're all the same so long as you trust me. So long as you are in Passover language, covered by my blood that I might pass over and know that you are mine. And then he says this in verse 51, this climactic ending, right? And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. There's more to unpack, right? And the story of Exodus it doesn't end there, but but He did it. He did what He said He was going to do. The thing that helps us trust God is not that God's always about. Uh, oh yeah, I'm about to, but but He is. Uh, we get to. We get to trust Him because what ha- He has already done. We get to trust Him in the waiting. And, and the way that we do that is we get to know, we get to remember, we get to believe that He has delivered His people. And if He is God, and if He is delivered, and if He has promised to rescue and deliver, it's as good as done. So for those who, who waited to be delivered from sin, hell, and the grave by sin's work in our hearts and lives, Jesus delivered on the cross by taking our sin and receiving the wrath and the judgment of God for us. And, and three days later, while the people watched and while they waited, and when the people least expected it, Jesus broke out of the tomb and he broke out of death's grip and he made a way for us to join him on this Easter Sunday we get to remember that Jesus lives that that he came he dwelt among us that he lived perfectly on our behalf that he died a sinner because of our sin not his own that he conquered death he lives and for all who trust what God has done we get to trust what God has promised and what he has even yet to do. And we read in, in nearly the last chapter of God's Word in, in Revelation 21, verse 5. He says, And he who was seated on the throne. See after Jesus resurrected, he he hung out on the earth for 40 days, and then he ascended to rule and reign until he comes back again. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. After the birth came Jesus' life and after his life came his death and after his death came new life and the resurrection and after resurrection came the ascension where he rules and reigns from the right hand of the Father and one day he will return to finish the way back to Him, to eternal life with Him and all of God's people forever. The work is done. The fulfillment of that work is yet to be revealed in full. But for all who trust, it is His deliverance that dashes our unmet hope of all that's broken. He is making all Things new. So when we put all this together as best as we can, the Passover foreshadowed the cross. The blood of the Lamb in Passover foreshadowed the, the blood of Jesus. Exodus foreshadows the, the resurrection. The resurrection is a taste of what will be when death loses every ounce of its sting and God makes all things new. So after waiting forever, or what seemed like forever, a few hours after my son was delivered, man, I got to hold him. What a sweet thing. The waiting was over. All the questions, what's he going to look like? Uh, Who's he going to look like? What's he going to be like? Is he going to be healthy? Is everything okay? The end had come. Only in that moment, we realized that that it wasn't the end at all it was just a new beginning and new waiting as as new parents we felt the inrush of new anxieties and new fears and new wishes and new hopes and new dreams and so we all join the long chorus of god's people we wait each of us where we are many for things that that might not ever be in this life and many for things that are almost at hand whether we know it or not. Will will my wish ever be granted? Will my dream ever come true? You know, real practically, will things ever go back to normal? Or will we live in this quarantined life forever? And and you know what? I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of those questions, but, but one thing we don't have to do is join wishful waiting waiting upon a star that God might deliver us. He isn't obligated to deliver what we wish for, but as sure as the sun will rise, he will deliver where he has promised. And his death is proof, and his resurrection assurance of his word. He has delivered. He has delivered Egypt. Uh, I'm sorry, he has delivered Egypt. The Hebrews from slavery in Egypt, He has delivered all who call upon His name and trust, trust Him by saving faith. He has delivered us from sin's grip, from from sin's power, from sin's demand, from sin's wage. Death is no longer our wage, because Jesus has taken that upon Himself. He He has delivered, and He will. Uh, he, he is delivering. He is delivering. He is, he is ruling and reigning, ascended to the right hand of the Father. He is redeeming what's broken. He's holding all things together by His word. And He will deliver. He will judge the wicked. He will let judgment and, and righteousness flow down and, and justice flow. He will welcome the righteous into His eternal family, into His eternal home. It may feel like forever, but God is faithful to rescue and deliver his people. And when we wait with hopeful longing, God's faithful deliverance dashes all unmet hope. Therefore, here now and forever, we have hope. I hope that finds you well today. Would you join us in reflecting and repenting and responding as we continue to sing to our good God today and forever.